Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of June 2023, and is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, this particular sub-show's uh, format, uh, what I'm going to be doing here today, and it is I who is going to be doing it, this is going to be a solo affair, so if you're not down with that, uh, by all means, sign off now. Um, but essentially what a Catching Up on Blu-ray episode is, is a, an excuse for me to peruse uh, the release date calendar uh, for physical media uh, in the form of film releases. Uh, so DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K releases uh, for movies. Uh, it is a movie review podcast, after all. Uh, so uh, if you'd like to follow along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website of blu-ray.com, and then head over to the release dates page and navigate to the June 2023 tab, which uh, the website is fairly well designed, uh, so by default it should drop you in whatever month it currently is. Um, also, if you're not aware, uh, physical media releases generally occur on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Uh, so I'll be sure to call out the dates uh, as we roll along through the calendar. Uh, and also, generally, 4K releases are given priority in terms of their placement uh, on the Blu-ray.com website. Uh, so don't be surprised if every week begins with me rattling off the 4K titles. Um, also, if I sound a little distracted at times, uh, it's because I have the Final Fantasy VII uh, soundtrack uh, playing in my ear at the moment. Uh, I find these uh, solo recordings a little bit more manageable uh, when I have just a little bit of background noise. Uh, usually I pick like a, a retro game, usually a, a JRPG or something, uh, or Donkey Kong Country. Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country 2 have very consistently been my go-tos uh, when doing these Blu-ray episodes by myself. I'm not going to lie. Uh, both of those games have amazing soundtracks. Third one, Slightly less so. Uh, anyway, all those those old uh, rare titles. Um, different podcasts that I don't actually have. Uh, so uh, let's get to the calendar. Uh, so it looks like our first major release date here uh, for June 2023 falls on June 6th. Uh, and it looks like, uh, funny enough, not a 4K title. Um, our first title listed here uh, comes in the form of Renfield, which is a contemporary release. It came out just this year, uh, not very long ago, in fact, only a few months ago. Uh, Dracula Sucks Edition, by the way, which is kind of cute. Um, this was directed by Chris McKay. Um, I'm curious who that is, because the name does not ring a bell. Looks like he's associated with a lot of big movies, but in what capacity, I don't actually know. Um, this, this movie, I, I've heard very mixed things about. Uh, some people said it was fun. Some people said it was awful. Um, the look of it is a choice. Uh, very much a movie from like a contemporary film in that has all sorts of colored mood lighting thrown all over the place. Um, the big selling point, of course, uh, is getting a chance to see Nicolas Cage play uh, the legendary character of uh, Dracula, uh, something I'm sure he relished. And as far as I could tell, he like actually, you know, did his Nick Cage, he, he brought his Nick Cage-ness to the role. 
Um, the man takes the the craft of acting pretty seriously. It's rare that he phones anything in, and even when he does, which does happen, uh, usually there's some form of charm or some form of energy present. Uh, so I'd expect him to be good. Uh, Nicholas Holt, I know, I know somebody out there has been trying to make him work for a really long time. Uh, kind of like a Henry Golding type situation where it's like, we, we got to get Henry Golding working, man. Like, it's going to happen. Trust me. It's like, I don't know if it's in the cards, man. Like, like Nicholas Holt, I think, is a very good actor. It's just I don't know if he's like a leading man. Um, I'll probably be proven wrong by him being announced as like the new Batman or the new Superman or something tomorrow or some shit. Um, but as it stands, I like aside from... I mean, my sample size is very, very small, uh, given. Um, I really liked him in the menu, um, but again, that wasn't like the Nicholas Holt show. That was the Ray Fine show featuring Anya Taylor-Joy and a bunch of other skilled character actors. Oh yeah, and Nicholas Holt was here too. Um, I have no plans to see Renfield. Um, it looks like a, a kind of a silly movie that just... there's there's a premise certainly and the charm of Nicolas Cage playing Dracula does is enticing um but I don't know there's just not enough there so maybe maybe if somebody ropes me into doing a review of it for the podcast but on my own time on my own dime no no thanks uh so moving on it looks like we also have a 4k release of Lord of War which I believe uh this is just a Best Buy Steelbook Edition release. Uh, so if you want a fancy steelbook with a somewhat snazzy cover um, of Lord of War, which is a very good film, uh, you can grab that now at Best Buy exclusively. Uh, and then we have uh, individual 4K releases of all of the Indiana Jones films uh, that currently exist on physical media. Uh, the Dial of Destiny will be coming out uh, tomorrow uh, as of recording. i uh, that is Indiana Jones 5, if you're not aware. Uh, I do have plans to go see that in the theater. Um, I have been listening to a lot of Indiana Jones music, uh, kind of like getting myself in the mood. And despite me not having any real hype for Dial of Destiny, um, Kyle and I did a, like, we actually did like a, a, a full-throated retrospective on indiana jones uh we did our master we dedicated an entire masterclass month which uh if you're not aware is kind of our uh, annual ritual it's our annual tradition of uh on our uh, anniversary our annual anniversary month uh of starting the podcast we dedicate a whole month uh, a whole ass month uh to exploring uh like a long-lived franchise of some sort uh last year we did something a little different and we covered x-men uh which of course has origins prior to its existence in live action film um and it's of course so lengthy that we couldn't possibly cover it in a single month but we did we did the first four movies of that series um but yeah we like one of my favorite master classes we've done probably my very favorite is uh batman uh we had to cover that in two swings uh just because again there's so many damn batman movies um also the aliens films uh, those that was another favorite masterclass of mine um but indiana jones uh is and always will be very 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 special to me occasionally i forget that um but all it takes is for you to play that damn theme music or 
just show me a silhouette of a man wearing a fedora and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child again. Uh, apparently, I've discovered within the past week or so, like, wow, I really love Indiana Jones. And, and those movies, with the exception of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, mean quite a lot to me. Uh, such that I do have a lot of respect for James Mangold. I've liked many of his films. Um, I have all the confidence that he will make a competent and enjoyable film. But I, I just, I have zero hype going in, and yet uh, I know that I'm going to go see it. Like, I, I, it's just, it's got to happen. You got to do it. Um, so t- take from that what you will. Uh, I don't know what that all meant, but point is... Uh, you can now get if you if if you want to own all of the Indiana Jones movies on 4K and leave out Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you can do that now. Uh, before I believe these were only available via the the complete box set. So if you want individual releases for your shelf, you can get them now. Um, I have all of these on Blu-ray, um, and after all that business of me saying how much I love these movies, it would only be responsible of me as a collector uh, to run out and buy the 4k versions of them but uh we'll see when that happens uh, maybe i'll see Di- maybe if i love dial of destiny i'll run out and do that although that would be a bad idea being as you know they're going to make a whole new ass uh box set uh, as soon as that movie's ready for home 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 viewing experience uh so moving on though uh we have uh capitalizing on the uh the man of the hour uh, harrison ford uh, who, as I said, has a movie coming out tomorrow as of recording. Uh, we have a 4K release from Paramount of uh, Clear and Present Danger, um, which is uh, directed by Philip Noyce. Uh, and this is, of course, uh, one of the Jack Ryan uh, films, the Tom Clancy uh, films from uh, the mid-90s. Uh, as far as I understand, uh, that character and, I guess, the franchise to some extent... Uh, it currently exists on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's the John Krasinski headline series now. Um, I've never had any particular affinity for the character of Jack Ryan, um, but I've seen all the, the Harrison Ford versions. I've, I, I think I've seen all of the Jack Ryan films. I, the character to me is nothing important, but um, for the most part, they're pretty good films. Uh, Some of All Fears didn't really do much of anything for me but hunt for red october is a classic um and it looks like a hey uh, our boy uh, john milius uh, has a co-writer credit on this so i guess if any uh heavy masculine speeches were given in clear and present danger i actually can't remember if that happens uh you know who who penned that particular portion of the script uh we have our first uh criterion release uh, in the month of June 2023 in the form of uh, The Rules of the Game from 1939. Uh, not a film that is known to me, but we have a thing that we tend to say here on Catching Up on Cinema, and that is, if it is in the Criterion Collection, it is more than likely worth your time. Uh, so I'm going to assume that's the case here. Uh, looks like it got high marks for image quality as well. Um, we have a release of Private Parts, uh, not the not the Howard Stern film. Uh, this one's from 1972, and it comes to us from uh, Shout Factory. Uh, prolific uh, distributors there, or publishers, rather. Uh, we have the Mummy Trilogy on 4K, um, which I believe this is a... 
this may be a reissue or it may be uh, the first time it's all collected in one box. I'm not sure what the case is here, um, but I do know that these these films have received individual releases prior to this box. <laughs> so maybe it's just the box that's new, not the discs. Uh, we have from Arrow, uh, Warriors 2 uh, from 1978. Uh, this is directed uh, by my boy, Sammo Hung, uh, and also features Sammo Hung. I don't know uh, how prominent his role is in this one, but um, folks, uh, if you're not aware, uh, Sammo Hung is one of, I, I, I think you'd call them the Three Musketeers. That's uh, Sammo Hung, Yun Biao, and uh, Jackie Chan, uh, who is, of course, probably the most household name worthy of those three, at least in our region in the, in the U.S. Um, Sammo Hung is a national treasure. Uh, he gave a delightful speech, a Lifetime Achievement Award speech uh, at, I, I forget what the award ceremony was, but it was some form of a Asian, um, Asian film festival kind of scenario. Um, and he's, he is a remarkable actor, martial artist, and uh, choreographer in particular. Uh, Samo's choreography is legendary. Um, if, if you see his name listed as choreographer, in a film, even even if and sometimes especially if the movie isn't all that great, stick around. There'll be some fireworks. Like there'll there'll be some good in there. Like there will be some goodness in there because he always brings it. Um, I've always loved his uh, the impact that he brings to his particular brand of choreography. Um, just the hits are they just are nasty. Like he always emphasized contact uh, on the set when they would when he would conduct choreography for films um so he was pretty rough on his performers for sure as was the style at the time um but the results speak for themselves uh, and on top of that uh also just as a proponent for the the individuality and the beauty of various forms of martial arts um he he was very special in that regard like he was very big on showcasing individual styles and and showing all the facets and all the beautiful elements of them uh i would love to watch this i actually i know the name uh, i don't know the reputation of this one specifically uh, but vintage samo is is great samo um eastern condors is is one of my favorites that, that was like surprisingly lean samo like he, he was he's generally a, a kind of rotund fella but in that one, he trimmed down a bit, and uh, he's, he's fucking nasty in that film. Uh, look it up. It's great. Uh, moving on, though, uh, we have a Blu-ray release of a couple of spaghetti westerns uh, in the form of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly for a few dollars more um, and A Fistful of Dollars. So uh, the Man With No Name trilogy, I guess. Uh, all three of these are, of course, uh, Sergio Leone films. Uh, and who is putting out these discs? These are all Kino discs. Um, I have to imagine one of, uh, like, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly most certainly has a 4K, I have to assume. I'm not sure about the other two. I would assume as much, though. I mean, they are fucking classics. Um, we have the Insidious 4 movie collection, um, probably a cross-promotional synergy there being as I believe there's a, another Insidious film due out in theaters very shortly here. Um, we have, <laughs> speaking of, uh, remember how I mentioned uh, Henry Golding in the same breath as Nicholas Holt? Well, guess what? Uh, Henry Golding happens to have a film. Um, I believe this is a, uh, 
I'm speaking directly out of my asshole because I I read about this a while ago, and I'm only I'm trying my best to recollect. I think this is a I think this was made in Malaysia or is a Malaysian film. Anyway, it's called Assassin Club. Henry Golding is on the cover, uh, brandishing a pistol, uh, so you know it's destined for the red box or Tubi or both, um, or Pluto TV, all three. Um, but yeah, I seem to remember like I. It was a it was like a trivia answer for me and no one else, honestly, where I just asked myself one day, whatever happened to Henry Golding? Like, weren't we trying to make him a thing? And then Snake Eyes happened. And then, like, that was kind of it. Um, the answer to my question when I Googled it was, oh, he made a movie in Malaysia. It's like, oh, OK, that's what Henry Golding's up to. Got it. Uh, not much. Um, so uh, beside that, we also have a different cover uh, for Warriors 2 from Arrow. Uh, I think this might be a reissue, but we have a Chucky seven movie collection box set featuring, uh, the good guy doll on the cover. Uh, and you know what, uh, being as this is, uh, just me talking to myself, uh, with myself, uh, I'm gonna step on the accelerator here and say that I'm good, uh, for, for that week. Uh, we can move on now. Uh, so we have an off-date release uh, that is of the utmost importance. Um, so you remember when I said, <laughs> remember when I said I was going to kill you last? I lied. Uh, so um, remember when I said physical media releases generally occur on Tuesdays of each week? I lied. Uh, so uh, occasionally we do get off-date releases. More often than not, they are they're like um, concert films and things of that nature. Um, rather than like the like narrative films, I don't know why that is. Um, but this month we have a very 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 special off date release that I absolutely have to highlight. Uh, we have on June 9th, uh the release of John Wick colon Chapter Four uh, on Blu Ray and 4K. Uh, this is of course from uh, I believe March of 2023, only a few months ago. Uh, I saw this in the theater with the girlfriend and a friend of mine. Uh, I am a huge fan of basically all things 8711, but uh, the John Wick franchise has grown and grown and grown and grown and then some. Um, and is it's now like it belongs in a museum, goddammit. Uh, these are special ass movies. And this one, uh, 100% honesty, I, I think it is my favorite of like despite everybody involved only getting older um and you know their their you know ability to perform on screen you know being a ticking clock um i think this is far and away my favorite of the entire series uh i was really taken uh, by how much i love this movie and how much how much depth it had <laughs> um i was really surprised by that cuz like one it's it's a it's an action extravaganza that somehow doesn't drag despite being nearly three hours long uh just filled with endless novelty um in terms of action design and and just just production design everything about it is beautiful uh the editing the cinematography the costuming set design just it's beautiful it's a work of art as i said um but then too like it the the way the the narrative is presented um, and the themes that are covered, I found myself walking out of the theater and thinking to myself, I think there's a lot more going. I think there's a lot of subtext in this movie. There's a lot of interesting theming going on that caught me off guard where it's like, I don't know if, if the thoughts that I'm having, if the conclusions I'm reaching are true 
like to to Chad Stahelski and and the people who wrote the film. But I got a lot out of it, uh, such that I actually have actively been trying to write an essay about not necessarily the entirety of the John Wick franchise, mostly just this movie specifically. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the the world of John Wick, John Wick and the the Continental and the Assassin's Guilds and stuff feeling feeling like a parallel to the the art world and and the world of film in general um I, i'm rambling at this point um hopefully i can finish that essay someday and actually put it arrange it in a way that where it's coherent but the point is uh john wick was a movie that in, entertained me uh quite a lot um and also made me think uh quite a lot and that was totally unexpected not necessary at all um but it, enri- it successfully enriched the experience for me specifically. Um, that That's it. <laughs> I, I bought this twice, unfortunately, because I did have a... I was on vacation. I was out of town, and I pre-ordered this. Uh, I pre-ordered the Super Duper Amazon Special Edition because I'm an asshole <laughs> uh, with apparently too much money. Um, and it got swiped from my porch. Uh, so I ended up having to buy it twice. So uh, some asshole out there got gifted themselves my John Wick 4K disc. Uh, hopefully they, hopefully they choke on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I paid Amazon twice uh, to get this one. Uh, I haven't watched it just yet, um, but I'm I'm really excited to, uh, really excited to get back in there. Uh, so moving on, uh, we have our next uh, Tuesday release date, uh, and this is June 13th, 2023. Uh, and right out the gate, we have uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, Power Up Edition, uh, from the year 2023. This was, of course, the uh, animated film that completely uh, took the world by storm, at least the box office world by storm. Uh, I believe this was animated by Illumination, uh, but it is a universal uh, production. Um, I've heard this is a lot of fun. I've heard it's kind of like a shut like check your brain at the door kind of experience um not surprised at all that's probably what a mario film ought to be um this movie made quite a lot of people very very happy um i've heard it does skew very young um such that my interest is i I don't have a lot of interest if i'm being honest i've never been a mario guy like i'm a lifelong gamer i began this episode talking about how i'm currently listening still listening to the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack as I conduct this podcast. I've been playing... I was raised with a Nintendo controller in my hand. Uh, the 8-bit Nintendo. The two buttons. B and A. Don't ask me why B becomes comes before A. Um, but uh, Mario was never my guy. Uh, even even though I grew up with a Nintendo. And, and I did we did have Mario games. Um, Mega Man was my guy. I was a Mega Man kid, like that and the Ninja Turtles. Mega Man and Ninja Turtles were like my favorite games uh, in the NES era. Uh, so Mario was has never really been my guy. I've never been super loyal to the Nintendo, like Nintendo characters and, and properties. Uh, at one point in my life, I was loyal to their consoles. Um, the Super Nintendo continues to be my very favorite console of all time. I still collect games for it. Uh, I have a few hundred cartridges uh, tucked away in my closet. Um, I, I love that sucker. I love my Super Nintendo. I love my Nintendo. Um, but it, 
beyond that, I haven't really kept up with Nintendo. Uh, so there's tons of Metroids and F-Zeros, and don't get me started on Zelda. Zelda made me feel like an idiot when I was a kid, and I still hold a grudge to this day because I never knew where to go or what to do in that first Legend of Zelda, and to this day, I have an aversion to that franchise because of that. Where it's like, you alienated me. You made me feel like a stupid kid when I was a kid. Um, same goes for fucking Metroid. I've heard nothing but great things about all the Metroid stuff from like Prime onward. Um, same with Zelda. Everybody creams their pants anytime there's even a, a, a whiff of Zelda on the internet. But I haven't owned a Nintendo console since the GameCube, and I didn't even pick that up until the PS3 era. Um or the Wii U era, I guess you'd call it. Point is, uh, the Mario property isn't a selling point for me specifically. Uh, so this movie made quite a lot of people happy. I've, uh, you know, good for them, good for the future of like video game movies, I guess, because this mo- this movie made all the money, and thanks to this and Sonic, I guess we've arrived at the the video game era of uh adapt film adaptations where i'm i'm sure i'm very certain that we're just going to be completely inundated with these now that we have sonic this the last of us all being you know total complete successes um strap yourselves in it's going to get loud like like there's going to be a crash bandicoot movie guarantee there's probably going to be like an earthworm jim netflix series or some shit it's going to get noisy. It's going to get ugly really fucking fast. Um, but yeah, I, I won't be buying this. Uh, I might end up watching it, uh, you know, at some point, but I, I'm not going to pay for this shit. Uh, beside that, we have the Rain Man, or excuse me, just Rain Man. There is no the. Uh, from MVD Visual? <laughs> uh, not not what not the publisher i think of when i think of you know academy award winning films i think of jean-claude van damme when i think of mvd if i'm being honest uh this is directed by barry levinson stars tom cruise and dustin hoffman is about a uh adult man with autism who uh will reverse that it's it's about a young it's about a younger man who discovers he has an adult brother with autism uh, and then they go on and then mary mishaps ensue uh I don't know how this movie holds up uh, today because this came out in 1988 uh, and we know quite a lot more uh, th- things. I- I'm just going to put put my I'm just going to stop talking now because I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. I do enjoy this movie, but I am very, very, very curious how contemporary audiences would react to this movie. Um so yeah, that, that's that's something I may have to look into on my own time. Um, I do like this movie, though. I'll, I will say that much. I don't know if I need to own it, but I've seen it a few times, and I've enjoyed it every time. Uh, we have Insidious on 4K. Just going to gloss over that. We did cover that for the podcast, I believe. Um, I haven't seen any of the other ones, though. Just the first one. Um, we have Time Bandits on 4K, which is a Criterion release. Uh, this is, of course, a uh, Terry Gilliam film. Um, I believe this is debuting on 4K, though, uh, which kind of surprises me. Um, I guess it shouldn't, really, but um, I do know that it did receive a Blu-ray release prior to this, but in, in investigating just now, um, it looks like this is debuting on 4K. It looks like it got very high marks in terms of image quality. Um, and it makes me happy to see Terry Gilliam's work get spotlit. 
uh, especially by the Criterion Collection, because uh, he's a fantastic director, and he deserves it. Um, moving on, though, we have a Shaw Brothers Classics box set, 1967 to 1969. This is coming to us from Shout Factory. I believe they've been putting these out uh, periodically. If I'm being honest, as much as I am a, a huge mark for uh, martial arts cinema, Shaw Brothers and like just Wuja cinema in general is just really not my cup of tea. Um, so I know there's probably a lot of people out there, nobody out there listening to this, but like friends of mine who would see this on like a shelf somewhere. It's like, oh, Trevor would like that. And it's like, actually, Trevor wouldn't. <laughs> like, actually, Trevor doesn't really care much for that. Like, I like my martial arts contemporary. Like, it's it's a weird thing, but it's my thing. I, that that's just a personal preference. Everybody has them, um, and that's mine. Uh, beside that, though, we have a movie that I, I'm not going to pay money for this, but I, I'm pretty well committed to watching this just because it, it checks too many boxes for me. Uh, so we have The Pope's Exorcist from director Julius Avery, which I'm not looking it up, but I'm working from memory here. I think that's the guy who directed Overlord, which, if I'm being honest was a movie that like aesthetically had a lot going for it uh, in terms of concept had a lot going for it but i don't actually think it's a good movie i watched it and i i, I felt very disappointed i felt like there was endless potential for what they started to do but they never actually did it uh, if I'm, i could be completely wrong i could be talk i could be besmirching the name of julius avery um, completely unwarranted, but I think that was him. Um, anyway, this movie stars uh, Chubby Russell Crowe, uh, Pudgy Crowe, Happy Crowe, uh, as as the titular De Pope's Exorcist. Um, and it looks like he's having a ball. I, I really like the current iteration of Russell Crowe. I like him as Zeus in, uh, in Thor Love and Thunder. I like him in... in uh, <laughs> the shitty mummy movie as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I like him in Unhinged. I like I like what I've seen of him in the trailers for the Pope's Exorcist riding that goddamn Vespa. <laughs> like something I find him very charming when he's a little heavier and goes and leans heavy into, you know, accents and flowery character work. I, th- I think he's onto something, and I like I like what he's laying down lately. <laughs> I kind of want to see this. Oh shit! Uh, looks like Franco Nero uh, is listed in the credits here. Last time I saw him was in a uh, in the lobby of the uh, Continental in Rome in uh, John Wick Two, uh, which was a lovely tribute uh, to the filmography of Franco Nero. Because if you're not aware. Um, he was in at least one of those uh, 1980s ninja films uh, back in the day, which I have to assume probably both Keanu Reeves and Chad Stahelski are fans of. Um, so it was very cute seeing him find his way into the John Wick series, which is a complete celebration of all things action. Uh, you know, the the ninja craze of the 80s, of course, being part of that. Um, but yeah, uh, The Pope's Exorcist, I have no idea if it's any good at all. Um, but I love the trailers for it, and I really, I really like what Russell Crowe's been up to lately. Um, so I, I, I will probably end up watching this. Uh, beside that, we have The Great Train Robbery from 1978, um, which I believe that's the title of one of the first films ever made. Um, 
not this film. I don't know if they they bear any resemblance to one another. Um, but uh, wow, hell of a hell of a pitch on the cover here. So let me lay it down for you. We got uh, Sean Connery, Donald Sutherland. Remember, this is from 1978, so this is like Donald Sutherland riding high, and this is Sean Connery kind of edging towards post Bond era. Uh, and then it's a Dino De Laurentiis production both written and directed by Michael Crichton, uh, who was, he was a presence in Hollywood at this, in, in this era. Um, he, he had several uh, film adaptations around that time. Um, I believe Westworld and Future World both uh, came, I think those were both in the 70s. Um, and I think he was also, associated, I think, uh, what was it? Andromeda Strain, I think. And uh, maybe even that coma movie, which I know was a thing, and and I, I totally know about it for reasons other than they did a thing about it in uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know much of anything about this, but I like so many of the people that are involved in it. I mean, Dino De Laurentiis is going to be a, a little bit of a mixed bag, but he's, he's going to bring the dollars. Like, he's going to throw money at it. Uh, interesting. Never heard of it. Uh, we have... Uh, we have Mexico Macabre, uh, four sinister films from Mexico from 1959 to 1963. It looks like that is an indicator box set, um, which is one of those publishers that uh, I've never found an excuse to actually sample any of their wares. But uh, my good buddy Brad uh, from the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, he clued me in on their existence because they are a British label that has only been releasing titles in the U.S. for a year or two. Uh, so they're relatively new. Um, it's always kind of it's always kind of neat uh, to see a new publisher or distributor arrive on the scene. It's always kind of exciting. Um, but yeah, nothing in their catalog, unfortunately, has ever really spoken to me. Uh, so kind of unfortunate. Uh, we have from Kino as well uh, from 1989, The Package. Um, this is uh, starring Gene Hackman. And Tommy Lee Jones in 1989. Also, uh, Dennis Franz and Pam Greer are in there. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. Uh, and this is directed by Andrew Davis, which is a selling point. Uh, that man knows how to make uh, a dudes doing stuff kind of movie, like men on a mission kind of movie, um, which this does appear to be one of those. I'll just read the plot description because I've never heard of this. But like I said, there's, there's quite a lot of talent involved in this. Uh, Thomas Boyette is a military prisoner being transported back to the United States by Green Beret Sergeant Johnny Gallagher. Along the way, Boyette escapes. In tracking him down, Gallagher soon finds himself in the middle of a political assassination plot. Sounds kind of like the Jackal or the Fugitive or something, which, you know, kind of makes sense, being as Tommy Lee Jones is involved. I would watch that. Uh, I don't know if I would blind by that, but I, uh, if I remember, I might watch a trailer for that. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Andrew Davis, and I, and I like men on a mission kind of movies. Uh, we have not the Wes Craven film, but we have Scream on 4K from Dark Force Entertainment. Uh, apparently this film is also called The Outing, although that's not represented on the cover. Uh, I have no idea what this is, but it's from Dark Force Entertainment. Um, we have The Sword in the Stone from 1963. And this comes, uh, this is a Disney Movie Club exclusive 60th anniversary edition. So the way my buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast uh, explained this to me 
is that uh, the Disney Movie Club is a uh, it's like a physical media subscription service, uh, kind of old fashioned, I guess. Um, but Disney really hates <laughs> releasing physical media, as far as I can tell. Uh, they give no fucks about extras, and they always seem kind of hesitant about releasing things on disc these days. Uh, they seem to be leading the charge in the the transition to full digital. Um, but uh, the reason I'm taking a second to pause on this one is that this is a you know an exclusive, at least this edition of it, this 40th anniversary with slipcase thing. If you give a shit about that. Um, the reason I'm spotlighting is just because The Sword in the Stone was one of my Disney films when I was a kid. Um, a lot of kids have those. Like I, I can't say all kids, but many kids have that special tape or those special tapes or you know those special Disney movies uh, that they watched much, much, much more than others. Um, and in my case, it was The Sword in the Stone, uh, The Prince and the Popper, which is not a feature-length film. It's a it's a short. Uh, starring Mickey Mouse, um, and uh, the DuckTales movie, which is com- is criminally uh, under underrepresented and underrated. I love that fucking movie. Uh, I did watch the fuck out of that. Uh, the Rescuers Down Under was probably my very favorite. Um, Little Mermaid I never really owned, but it was on at a lot of other kids' houses when I was a kid. Um, and then Robin Hood. I think those were the big ones for me personally. Uh, and that that's the honest truth um but yeah sword in the stone haven't thought of that one in a while oh yeah sleeping beauty forgot sleeping beauty was a big one too um i like the dragon at the end <laughs> it's basically like trevor lays on the floor playing with all of his toys and then oh yeah look up there's a dragon uh, so it was one of those movies that i appreciate it in different ways than i did as a kid for sure um i love the aesthetic of that film um there was that uh Banner Saga series of games that did a beautiful job of kind of aping uh, the aesthetic presentation of that film, where it has a, a intentionally kind of flat quality to it, where it feels very storybooky. Um, you, you, I'm doing a poor job of explaining it, but you would know it if you saw it. Uh, we have uh, Indicator releasing another box that I'm not interested in. Uh, we have Bog slash Mako colon Jaws of Death. Uh, also from Dark Force Entertainment uh, from 1976 to 1979. It looks like these are uh, two different films, uh, neither of which I'm particularly interested in, it in, although I will say I am a sucker for shark films. Um, so Mako, at the very least, uh, you know, maybe maybe if I have a party or something I need, and I need a shitty shark movie to put on, like if I have a shitty shark party or something, maybe I'll grab that. Uh, we have <laughs> Project Alf uh, from Liberation Hall. Uh, it looks like this is a uh, Liberation Hall. Wow, I never heard of them. I'm going to have to look them up as I'm talking here. Uh, it looks like uh, they have put out uh, this, which Project Alf, if you're not aware, this is the television series of Alf um, that has the questionable ending. <laughs> um so I, I think this is the complete TV series on Blu-ray, but they also put out the RoboCop television series um, and a, a just one ah Steven Seagal movie called A Dangerous Man. So Liberation Hall, uh, not super prolific, um, but their their catalog is fascinating. Uh, we have um, Witch Trap. 
from 1989. This, that's more like it. This is an MVD release that I would expect to see from MVD. Not none of that <laughs> Rain Man business. Uh, no idea what that is, um, but it looks schlocky in, in the fun way. Uh, we have Kill Zone from 1985, uh, also from MVD Visual. Uh, visual, excuse me. Oh, looks like Ted Pryor's in that one. That's a name I've not heard since. Uh, beside that, uh, we have a movie that I have I own and have watched already. Uh, that would be Sakura, uh, starring and directed by Donnie Yen. Uh, this was a contemporary release from 2023. Uh, this is a Wuja film uh, with choreography, action choreography that is uh, done by Kenji Tanigaki, uh, who is a frequent uh, collaborator with Donnie Yen. Uh, he also choreographed the Rudoni Kenshin films as well as the not very good Snake Eyes film starring the unfortunate aforementioned Henry Golding. Um, the action is great in this. Um, they do some truly impactful and stupendous uh, and very, very, very creative wire work. Um, however, there's quite a lot of traditional like wuja flying and, and uh, key blasts or chi blasts, excuse me. This is a Chinese film. Um, very heavy on the CGI and wire work. And as such, it's not really my cup of tea. It's based on a, uh, I think it's, like the, I think it's a Chinese novel series, if not a comic uh, from the 60s um, that has been adapted to film and other mediums many, many, many times. So a lot of this felt like I was going in missing information where it seemed like there was a lot of uh, just kind of like cultural osmosis that should have happened uh, prior to me going in. Uh, to the experience I felt like I'd, I was kind of lost a lot of times um, so in terms of like plotting and uh, pacing it it is it has a lot of liabilities to a western viewer um, but thankfully when when hands are being thrown it's pretty entertaining but it's it's a very deeply uneven experience and uh, as such I I found it okay like, like it's not one I'm ever really going to go back to except for maybe to watch a couple of action scenes or something uh unfortunate being as it's not often donnie Yen directs films that's kind of mostly why i was intrigued um but eh, unfortunate anyway moving on um we have dr caligari from 1989 which i have no idea if this uh, has any connection to the cabinet of dr caligari um, which is a classic uh, german expressionist film um this comes to us from uh, Mondo Macabro, uh, and uh, I have seen at least one clip of this, and it looks trippy as shit. Um, not really my cup of tea, but if Kyle wanted to review it or something, I'd be down. Uh, we have The Man from Toronto, which I keep seeing this pop up on Netflix. I don't know anything about what it is, but it's Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson. For some reason, Woody Harrelson looks really mad at him on the cover. This comes to us from Sony Pictures, and the plot summary is, The world's deadliest assassin and New York's biggest screw-up are mistaken for each other at an Airbnb rental. Okay. Uh, interesting. Not really, though. I'm lying. <laughs> I remember when I said that was interesting? I lied. Um, beside that, we have one ranger. Not, not the lone ranger. One ranger 
which I mean, there's a man holding an assault rifle on the cover, so of course it's a Lionsgate production, and that man is Thomas Jane, uh, brandishing a bushy mustache and a cowboy hat. Um, I don't know what happened to him, but uh, Kyle told me he he hinted at something a while back, so I'll actually have to get to the bottom of what happened there because I've always liked him as a performer, but in recent years, his uh, his filmography has taken a turn towards the red box. Um, a disturbing turn towards the red box because I've always thought he was pretty talented, but I don't know if he's a dif- difficult personality or if he has like personal issues or something. Um, I'll ha- again, I'll have to ask Kyle. Maybe he knows. Um, looks like John Malkovich is also in here. He is also taking a turn towards the red box when he starts popping up in things like Mile Twenty Two. That's when you know you're you're headed towards the Lions Gate slash Red Box uh, pile. Um, now, as I do all this shit talking about this film that I know almost nothing about, I will pause for a moment and point out that this is directed by Jesse V. Johnson, who is a British stunt performer slash director who I have the utmost respect for. Um, he has directed many good films, uh, many of which I own, uh, many of which feature my boy, Scott Adkins. Uh, so I can't completely shit on this movie knowing that he is sitting in the director's chair for it. Um, it's been a minute uh, since I've uh, I've seen a Jesse V. Johnson film. Uh, the last one I have seen personally uh, was Hell Hath No Fury um, from a couple of years ago. Uh, looks like he's done a... Uh... Oh, hey, there's John Malkovich again. Uh, a Bruce Willis movie called White Elephant, which uh, I think Michael Rooker gets the majority of the screen time in that one. Uh, so that was like in between all of this. I haven't seen that one. I'm much less interested in seeing that one. Um, this one too. It's like, I like Jesse V. Johnson, but I need, I need Scott Adkins or I need some other player in there uh, to give me, to give me that extra little push to, to check it out or buy it. Cause uh, the mercenary I checked out because um, funny reason um, that was Jesse V. Johnson reunited uh, with Dominique, uh, Dominic uh, Vandenberg, uh, who is, I have a funny connection to him that comes in the form of me being handed his biography um, in high school uh, by a very good friend of mine. Uh, so like when, when one of their earliest collaborations or one of Jesse V. Johnson's earliest films came out starring Dominic Vandenberg, Pit Fighter came out, I was like, hang on. That's that guy that I read that weird martial arts book about way back when. I should watch this. Uh, and ever since, it's like if he doesn't work that often in film, but whenever he does, it's like, you know, sure. I took the time to read your damn book. I may as well watch whatever movies you make. Um, so un- unless Jesse V. Johnson is working with the right actors or the right people, i.e. Daniel Bernhardt in uh, Hell Hath No Fury and uh, Louis Mandalore also in Hell Hath, Hath No Fury, um, then I'm unfortunately not as interested. Uh, so one ranger, I acknowledge that, that, you know, I, I acknowledge and respect the director, but unfortunately I'm not interested. Moving on. Uh, we have caliber nine, uh, from Raro video or Raro video. Uh, never heard of it. Uh, yeah. Who are these people? Raro video or Raro video? Uh, looks like they deal exclusively in schlock. Yep, another one of those. Um, 
Kind of dig the cover art for this one, but not a big fan of the screen captures included. Although it does look like it got pretty good marks in terms of image quality. Uh, does look like a man on a mission kind of movie from the 70s. Could be fun. Not sure. Not going to find out. Uh, uh, we got Bone Cold <laughs> from 2022. Uh, this comes to us from Well Go. Uh, this looks like... Not gonna lie, this doesn't look interesting in the least, so I'm 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 gonna bail. <laughs> I'm just gonna bail on that one and move on. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna call it good uh, for the remainder of that week. I said probably way more than I had intended to, as as is the style of this program. Uh, so let's move on to the next calendar week, uh, and it's a big one. Uh, so June twentieth, twenty twenty three. Uh, our pair of major marquee releases come in the form of uh, James Cameron's uh, Avatar and its sequel, Avatar colon The Way of Water. Uh, both of these are dropping on 4K and uh, very important, the first Avatar is debuting on 4K. Previous to this, I believe it was only available on Blu-ray and 3D Blu-ray. Uh, so that's a big deal. Uh, for completionists that you know want to have all the Avida films uh, available on 4K, um, I like many many people on the internet. Uh, I'm not quite ambivalent towards Avatar. It's just it it's it's fine. Um, I acknowledge that it's aesthetically very intriguing. Like the technology at work is wondrous. Um, I I I'm not immune to eye candy. I'll just say that much. I did see it in 3D in the theater, and it was a it was an entertaining experience. But seeing it at home, it was it was kind of just like, oh, it was fine. Uh, but I think that's part of the secret sauce of that Avatar film. That's why it made so much goddamn money is that it's beautiful, and it pitches things pretty pretty much straight straight down the middle. It's it's intentionally uncomplicated. It's meant to be massively appealing to people from all over the world, basically. And I think I I think it largely achieves that. It's not remarkable in terms of its characterization or its storytelling, um, but it does enough to be an entertaining experience. I would I would I would push back against people who say it's a bad film. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think it, I think it's adequate cinema. It's like Marvel good basically, except for with many many extra coats of gloss and and you know paint basically. Um, Avatar, uh, I'm sorry, it's so fun to say Avatar, uh, the way uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says it. Avatar, Avatar, the way of water, I have not seen. Uh, I did not see that in the theater. It came out in 2022, by the way. I, that's hard to believe. Um, feels like 2023. Um, I haven't seen it, uh, but I have heard lots and lots of good things. It sounds like it's largely regarded as a universal improvement over the first one, uh, which doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes the first step is the hardest where it's like, you need to lay the groundwork and set the foundation for things to come so you can build off of that. Uh, James Cameron does, if you're, if you're not aware, does seem to have a knack for that being as a couple of his most famous films, i.e. Aliens and Terminator 2 are some of his best films, um, that happen to be number twos, you know, work, working from the precedent set before them and building upon it. Uh, I kind of wish I had seen this in the theater just because I have a feeling that it it probably gets a bump in terms of your overall enjoyment via the big screen and potentially the 3D if you're into that. Um, 
but I'll probably end up buying this on 4K, no less. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually legitimately kind of excited to see it because I am a sucker for underwater stuff. Like I just read a book uh, just the other day, uh, like while I was on vacation, uh, I, I picked up and read uh, a novel called The Deep <laughs> uh, by Nick Cutter. It's a, it's a horror film that happens to take place at the bottom of the ocean. Um, ooh, just realized that's not a fun topic ripped from the headlines at the moment. Uh, scratch that, moving on. Uh, but yeah, I'm a sucker for for nautical stories or, or stories that take place on the water, uh, especially ones that feature creatures and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think I'm going to enjoy this. I'm actually kind of looking forward to watching it whenever I get around to watching it. Uh, moving on, uh, we have uh, Ronin on 4K from 1998. Uh, this is from Kino. Uh, and it looks like it's uh, directed by John Frankenheimer, uh, who I wonder how drunk he was making this movie. Uh, John Frankenheimer kind of famously is uh, infamously, I guess, uh, known to be a director that had many problems throughout his lifetime. But uh, he was also known to be a kind of a commanding and intimidating presence on the set. Um, interest, like a lot of interesting stories about his filmography. Um, I don't know if I don't know if he's a good guy though. I'll say that much. Um, anyway, I think really the only thing anybody remembers about this movie is well, there's two things I guess. One, uh, scene being Sean Bon, Sean Bean, uh, being told about himself uh, by Robert De Niro. He gets he gets shown up by him pretty fucking bad uh, via dialogue and intimidation at one point in the movie. But the other thing is the car chases. Uh, really, that, that I think that's mostly why this movie exists and why people remember it, uh, is the car action, um, which has never really been like a big deal to me personally, but it is one of those, those aspects of action and thriller cinema that I try my best not to sleep on because I, there's quite a lot of prestige around vehicular stunt work. Um, in, in, especially in the pre-digital era, that was kind of like a special, there, there was like a rarefied air, uh, to the, uh, like to high quality vehicular stunt work in film. Like I'm talking like bullet and this film thrown in and, uh, the French connection, things of that nature, like, like car chases in particular are, are held in very high regard, very high esteem, uh, in particular by like audiences of an older generation i guess uh so i, I want to say that this struck a chord with a lot of those kinds of people probably where it's like it's a film from 1998 that features stunt work like it's from 1978 or something like that or 1968 um i've never had any particular affinity for this film but i did have a friend back in high school who adored this movie um i mean just like anything robert de niro was doing from from like the 70s through the 90s really but um he liked this movie quite a lot um for me not really a big deal anyway um we also have a pair of uh, tom cruise headlined films both dropping on 4k both very different films uh one is coming to us from paramount uh, which is the firm uh from director Sidney pollack uh, i like that one quite a lot it is a john grisham uh adaptation uh, and then we also have another Paramount release, which is fitting, being as Tom Cruise has very much been in bed with them for quite a long time, especially in his uh, 
most especially, I guess, in his uh, action blockbuster phase of his career. That is, I guess, the most recent era of his career. Uh, this one, Vanilla Sky, uh, coming to us from Cameron Crowe, also on 4K. Makes a lot of sense, being as uh, Mission Impossible uh, 7 is due out very shortly. Potentially, like, has the potential to be, like, the the big summer movie, honestly. Um, we'll see. Time will tell. Um, I don't think <laughs> I don't think Dial of Destiny is going to hold that title this year, but uh, it's kind of looking like Mission Impossible might take it might take the crown this year. Uh, we'll see though. As far as I know, uh, Transformers did quite well, um, so we'll see how it pans out. Uh, we also have the Manchurian Candidate uh, from 1962. This is coming to us from uh, Kino, and this is from. <laughs> Speak of the devil, John, maybe literally, uh, John Frankenheimer. Uh, I didn't realize he directed that. Um, and this one, of course, uh, is headlined by uh, Frank Sinatra, also features Janet Lee and Angela Lansbury and Henry Silva. Love him. Uh, good bad guy. Um, this movie, Trivia Factoid, I believe uh, is uh, known to have one of the earlier instances of uh, martial arts in American cinema. Uh, performed no less by one Frankie Sinatra. Uh, look it up. Um, moving on, we have a movie that I heard some shit about, uh, and apparently the the official title of this sucker is Guy Ritchie's, like Guy Ritchie's Possessive, The Covenant from 2023. Um, I first I don't know what it is about this movie. This this movie pissed some people off. Like people were hating on this movie badly on the internet and they weren't really saying why so i don't actually know why that is but i, I was shocked because guy Ritchie has some talent like he's not a terrible director he's done good things not always good things but he's done good things and J- jake gyllenhaal generally he's he's worth a watch um but yeah i have heard this sucks like badly um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very curious why that is. Uh, maybe it's not true. Maybe maybe just my corner of the internet uh, has a particular aversion to this film. But I don't know. I'd, I'd like to find out though. Not by watching it. Though. Uh, we have uh, the Game Trilogy from 1978 to 1979. Uh, this comes to us from Arrow, uh, and this features the most dangerous game, the Killing Game, and the Execution Game. Uh, and all three of these films are directed by Toru Murakawa. And they feature one uh, Yusaku Matsuda. Uh, so uh, the reason I said all those words just now uh, is because I was really looking forward to this um, because um, Yusaku Matsuda is a uh, he's fucking cool man. I mean he plays a lot of scoundrels and and terrible fucking people on film. I don't know if he was a good person in real life. He has passed away. Um, but in terms of his image, like this is not something that I've experienced many times in my life. But like at, a, at like a certain point in my life, I was introduced to him and his filmography and and his image, and I I just I was kind of enamored with it. I was like, wow, I think that guy's cool, and that was around the time I was in college. I mean, the first time I saw the guy honestly came in the form of uh, Onimusha Two going back to video games, uh, which is a PlayStation 2 game. I love the Onimusha series. I think it's tragic that we don't get them anymore. Uh, I would have loved to have seen them 
give that the remake treatment the way they the way capcom has been remaking all the resident evil games as of late uh, that cue that one up onimusha all of those games i think anyway uh were great uh they used his likeness uh yusaku matsuda that is uh, they used his face um for the protagonist of uh, onimusha 2 so that was probably the first time i saw him around like the mid 2000s or so and i thought he was cool um i was curious why it's like i looked it up and i was like who is this guy like like i know they used um takeshi kanishiro uh for samonosuke's face in uh, onimusha one and three and he was you know a living actor like he was known to me like I'd, I'd been watching movies with him both from china and japan around that time of my life so i was like oh i know him he's a celebrity and then onimusha two they slip in this guy and i'm like hang on this guy's dead why are they putting a dead man's face on this video game character? And then I looked into it even more and I was like, oh, because he's like one of the coolest fucking people that's ever lived. That makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, if, if you're not aware of him, uh, this could be your chance uh, to check him out. Because uh, I've, I've only had the pleasure of seeing him in a handful of films. Uh, and a big part of that comes down to the fact that uh, very few of his films are available uh, in my region in the U.S., uh, in fact, all three of these films, this entire trilogy of films, this is their first. This is advertised as being the first time these films are available outside of their native country of Japan. Um, so I grabbed this immediately. This was also stolen from my porch, though, so I had to grab it twice. Uh, I do have it now. I've watched the first film. It's pretty good. It's not amazing, but he's amazing. And that's really all I care about. Um, and I'll have to look into the special features, see if they have any like featurettes about the man specifically, because uh, I find him endlessly fascinating. Uh, I've, I'm actually I'm absolutely enamored with his his look, his aesthetic, his uh, choices as an actor. I think he's really cool. Uh, hopefully, other people discover him through these movies, and uh, you know the legend will continue to live on. Uh, I mean, his image has inspired so many characters in uh, Japanese pop culture over the years. Uh, it's kind of staggering. Look up his Wikipedia. You'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's enough gushing. Uh, let's move on to uh, something completely different in the form of RLJ Entertainment putting out a Shudder original in the form of Skinamarink from 2022. This is the... Uh, this was kind of the, the it movie of horror. Um around the time of its release uh, this was this is a very divisive film however um, it doesn't work for everybody because it is extremely sparse in its presentation to the extent that i think it loses a lot of people um, it's it's most certainly not for everybody but the people that it worked for uh, it worked really well uh, because this movie does have a mostly positive reputation however like i said there is some controversy that doesn't work for everybody I haven't seen it myself because I know myself, and aside from watching it for the purpose of reviewing it for the podcast, I don't need this in my life. Uh, I'm too busy watching martial arts movies and, and loud action movies to watch a movie that occasionally moves and features no characters on screen. <laughs> um, so moving on, uh, we have uh, The Servant from 1963. This is a Criterion release. Um, also, unfortunately, another likely fantastic film that I know not a goddamn thing about. Um, if you want to tune into a podcast that talks about uh, good movies, uh, I can rank, I can recommend to you uh, the Movies for Life podcast. 
Uh, Brian and Michelle do a lovely job of talking about very high-quality films uh, every time they do an episode. They do twofers, in fact. And also uh, the Cinema Speak podcast with my buddy Brad. Uh, He also generally talks about good movies. So if you're interested in good movies, go check out those other podcasts. If you're interested in garbage, my garbage, I guess keep listening. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Uh, We have Red Sun from 1970. This comes to us from Radiance Films, uh, and I don't know much of anything about this one. Uh, interesting cover art. Uh, I've noticed that Radiance that they're uh, I I like the way they arrange their covers. It's kind of their signature, much like how Indicator has their their color strip like kind of in the lower third of their case. Radiance devotes like the left third column, a uh, vertical column of the cover to uh, a description of the film as well as the the production logos and all that business. It's it's a choice. Um, I'm not sure if it's a good one, but it's highly distinct. And, you know, it's a very crowded... It's a niche market, but it's also a crowded one, if that makes sense. So any, any way to stand out is probably a good choice. Uh, we have Medicine for Melancholy from Criterion from the year 2008. This comes to us from director Barry Jenkins. Um, and we have, uh, Giant Crocodile from 1979. This comes to us from Synapse Films, who specialize in, of course, schlock. Um, we have Polite Society from 2023. Uh, this comes to us from Universal. Uh, and I actually saw this screening in a lot of, like, local, like, kind of like mom and pop theaters in my area. Uh, so I was kind of curious about it. I know not a goddamn thing about it other than it has a good reputation. Like, I've heard mostly good about this. So I'm actually going to take a second to just read the plot description here. Uh, maybe we can learn something together. Uh, so Polite Society 2023 uh, follows a bullshy uh, schoolgirl whose world is shaken after knowing that her big sister give up on her dreams to get engaged and she believes she must save her sister from the shackles of marriage by pulling pulling off a wedding heist uh yeah i don't know anything about this movie other than it's gotten good reviews uh and it was screening in a lot of tiny theaters in my area which is kind of cool we have romeo is bleeding from sandpiper pictures from 1993 uh starring gary oldman and uh, featuring Juliet Lewis and Roy Scheider. I like, I like those people. Uh, a New York City police sergeant whose hunger for sex and money prompts him to cheat on his wife and accept payoffs from the mob meets his match when he becomes involved with the devious female scion of a Moscow crime family. Interesting. From 1993. Uh, we have Diary of a Hitman from 1991. This comes to us from MGM. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. Moving on. Uh, I I would say it's an interesting cover, but it's the composition of it's a little odd. It feels the negative space on it's a little excessive to me. Anyway, uh, da, da, da. moving on, we have a Mickey Rourke movie called uh, A Prayer for the Dying from 1987, uh, directed by Mike Hodges, also featuring... Bob Hoskins and Liam Neeson. Interesting. Uh, from 1987. Martin Fallon is an IRA bomber who tries to blow up a transport of British troops, but instead murders a busload of school children. Wow, Marty, you done fucked up. Afterwards, he loses heart 
quits the movement and goes to London to start a new life. The IRA, however, will not let him go because he knows too much, and the local crime boss will only help him if he performs one last hit. When Martin almost performs the hit and hesitates, he is witnessed by a Catholic priest, good God, they're just giving everything away, Father DaCosta. He refuses to murder an innocent again and must find a way to escape the police without harming the priest who can identify him. Uh, wow. Uh, Mickey Rourke's one of those actors that's like, I feel like he, I feel like the talent was always there, but I, I feel like maybe his agent or somebody fucked him a little bit because too, too often it seemed like he was doing the wrong movies. Like, like he certainly always turned in good, well, maybe not always, but he, he turned out a lot of amazing performances, but oftentimes in the wrong places. Um, and now he's. Now he's at the bottom of the fucking red box barrel, and it's really fucking depressing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know if this movie's any good. Uh, interesting cast, uh, interesting premise. Um, funny enough, my parents actually just got back from Ireland, uh, and they re- they received quite a lot of uh, insight into like some of the some of the nitty gritty of the troubles, um, which of course uh, was very much known and talked about uh, in the U.S. Uh, like in in an era when I was not yet born, uh, but my parents, of course, are older and were aware of all that. So it was a fascinating experience. Anyway, just figured I'd share that. Uh, we also have Red River from Howard Hawks. Wow, uh, from the Criterion Collection. Uh, Howard Hawks, uh, stellar reputation as a director. Haven't seen that many of his films. I think what was it, just Scarface, maybe. Um, but. I know he has a good reputation as part of the Criterion Collection. It looks like a Western. Probably a lot of fun. Uh, Zombie ass. Colon. Toilet of the Dead. Uh, Not interested. Just needed to say that out loud. That is a thing that exists. Brought to to you by Media Blasters. Uh, We also have something called I Am T-Rex from 2022. (laughs) Battle for Green Valley. I'm sorry, who made this and why? Oh, oh, that makes sense. It's it it's a Chinese animated film. I am T-Rex. Uh what was that subtitle? Battle for Green Valley from last year from 2022. Fascinating. Uh Okay, I think I'm good uh for that week. So I'm going to skip on down uh to June 27th. Uh, so here's where probably things are going to get really messy because it's the end of the month, which means we're going to get into Vinegar Syndrome and all their fucking bullshit. <laughs> quality distributor, quality publisher, but the way that they drop their titles on the calendar is absolutely infuriating. Um, somebody needs to talk to them about that. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we have Creep Show on 4K from 1982. Um, this is brought to us by, based on that cover art, I'm going to say Scream Factory slash Shout Factory. Um, the, <laughs> the depths of the George Romero estate continue to be mined um, by all surviving members. Um, everything Romero is getting put out on disc somewhere by somebody. This makes sense. Uh, Fortunately, uh, in this case, uh, Creepshow is an excellent film, well-deserving of the 4K format. That's a visually uh, intriguing film in a lot of ways. It has a lot of neat stuff going on with the cinematography and the lighting. Um, I would love to 
watch this i don't know if i would i don't know if i need to own that uh brad hopefully from the cinema speak podcast he's probably he's probably going to buy this because i know he loves romero and i know he loves horror um brian and michelle also from the movies for life podcast they've likely done the same um and beside that we have evil dead rise on 4k from this year from 2023 uh this comes to us from warner brothers Uh, i actually just watched this last night um kyle and i were intending to do an episode on it i don't know if that's going to happen um i i would feel more comfortable talking about this with him being as he between the two of us is far and away the the bigger evil dead franchise fan um but yeah at his urging i did watch this so we could talk about together um just last night um and just in case uh, we do end up doing a review for it I'll, i'll hold my thoughts um all i'll say is um pretty sure this director has seen aliens i have too uh, and as a result by the time you get to the final act of this one i'm starting to like i would found myself like fidgeting a little bit and being like this this is a little too close man this is starting to bother me <laughs> um it even extends the score at times like i found that the score bear, bore some similarities to uh james horner's uh score for aliens james cameron's aliens that is um which was odd um but yeah uh, I'll, I'll hold my thoughts uh like review wise uh, for now um, but it's available on 4k if you want it um we have enter the video store uh colon empire of screams this is a big old box uh from arrow video uh that features the dungeon master dolls cellar dweller arena and robot jocks um i think all of these have received uh i think all of these have received uh individual releases um i want to say that uh, Stuart gordon may have directed dolls i seem to remember hearing about that via one of those in search of darkness uh blu-rays the 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 horror documentaries uh 80s horror documentaries um and i want to say most of if not all of these are charles band films charles band produced films that is um, which would probably mean Brian Usna is involved in some capacity. Uh, I have seen of these. What have I seen? Uh, I know of the Dungeon Master because uh, Red Letter Media on YouTube they covered it. Uh, I know of Dolls because of the In Search of Darkness uh, documentary. Same goes for Cellar Dweller arena i saw on like network television like cable or something uh a long time ago and i actually would love to go back and rewatch it just because i i love boxing i love i love combat sports but boxing in particular is one of my favorites kickboxing is pretty cool too um harder to find though um at least in my country the u.s um but the 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 concept of you know (laughs) intergalactic kickboxing is even though the movie isn't good just the concept is to me worth like a remake or something it tickles me in a very specific way same goes for robot jocks i love combat sports why not combat sports with giant robots in fact i'm like currently trying to write a goddamn story about exactly that concept um robot jocks was a vhs rental uh in my household when i was a kid uh scared the bejesus out of me in its opening moments because there's that bit where the bad guy steps on a dude in the opening minutes so mom was plenty pissed about that (laughs) Um, but we did get to finish it eventually um 
and I actually have that Blu-ray. I own Robot Jocks. Um, neat little box set. Not not that little, as far as I can tell. It's pretty big, actually. But that's kind of cool that they're throwing all those together. Uh, seems like if you would appreciate one of these, you'd probably appreciate appreciate all of them. So it only makes sense. Uh, we also have from Warner Brothers National Lampoon's Vacation, the OG, the vanilla vacation movie. Uh, featuring, of course, everybody's favorite asshole, uh, Chevy Chase. Um, I don't remember the first vacation uh, that well, but of course, everybody's favorite is uh, Christmas Vacation. That's the one that I think has the most universal acclaim, um, probably because it actually, like, it has a quite a lot of heart to it. Um, I remember watching a video essay about the original Vacation, though, and I found it illuminating. Uh, just being provided some historic context uh, both both in terms of like the national lampoon brand uh, and also the kind of the the timing of of that story like of of the release of that film and and how it coincided with you know Reagan's America and all that business uh, interesting stuff uh, I I would love to go back and rewatch this though um, I I did that with uh, Christmas vacation around a uh, the most recent Christmas season uh, with the girlfriend, and we both really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know how much she likes Clark Griswold as a character. I think she found him repugnant, um, so I don't know if I could swing uh, this this movie, the original Vacation, but maybe that's that's a movie I can watch in my own time. Not going to be buying it. Horror movies and comedies are not things that I generally own. Uh, beside that, though, time for something completely different. Uh, we have from Altered Innocence, uh, which is a distributor. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't recognize a damn thing in their filmography or, or their discography. Excuse me. Um, Irreversible from two thousand and two, and this of course features uh, Monica Bellucci and Vincent Cassel, uh, and this is a Gaspar Noé film. Uh, I have not seen this film, but I do know that it includes some seriously intense uh, and very, very, very graphic, both uh, straight violence and sexual violence, uh, such that it has multiple cuts to it. Um, I have seen the instance of physical violence, which involves a fire extinguisher, and that is brutal. Um, but the, the sexual violence in the film is probably what it's best known for. Um, I think it's a good movie, um, but I've always just known it by its reputation as being a, a very, very explicit and dark fucking film. Uh, take from that what you will. Uh, we have Mall Rats on 4K from director Kevin Smith from 1995, brought to us by Arrow. Uh, I'd rewatch that. Uh, I remember liking it when I was young. I remember my brother introducing me to that one. Uh, I think a lot of older brothers have done that, like introduced their younger brothers to Kevin Smith films. Uh, same goes for Tarantino, for that matter, and Robert Rodriguez. Um, we have uh, Waterworld on 4K. Uh, wow. Uh, so this is the super duper box set version of Waterworld that I believe Arrow had put out previously on Blu-ray. And I might actually get this. That's a weird thing to say, being as Waterworld is like was like if you weren't around for it, you wouldn't know. But when this movie came out in theaters in 1995, it was a laughing stock. Uh, people were calling it Dry World, saying that it was basically uh, Mad Max on the ocean. Uh, people were 
talking about talking endlessly uh, on the news and in the newspapers about how unbelievably expensive it was, um, about how wrongheaded it was from a production standpoint. Hell, the bathroom reader uh, that we had at my parents' house when I was young uh, featured an entire chapter dedicated to all of the shenanigans and, and dumb fuckery that happened during the making of Waterworld. Uh, the fact that they used all of the steel in the Hawaiian Islands to build a floating set, which oftentimes would blow away and have to be towed back into position for lighting and stuff. Um, and also, uh, they, they uh, what else? They Kevin Costner demanded that CGI uh, airbrushing be done to his hairline during the underwater uh, sequences. Um, because he, he didn't like his uh, questionable hairline, I guess, and he had the money and the clout uh, to make such demands. Uh, and also CGI airbrushing also had to be done on uh, his gills uh, because apparently a producer's note said they looked like vaginas, uh, the prosthetics, that is. Um, so <laughs> fascinating. The, the making of this movie is endlessly fascinating to me such that if this if this disc if this super duper special edition has all the supplements in the world i'm the kind of person that would love to consume them because i i I love the story of the making of Waterworld, even if i don't give two shits about the movie i actually think the movie's all right like i don't think it's terrible i think it's just kind of it's like avatar actually it's it's kind of just it's a movie like it's fine it's expensive and big and dumb but it in terms of entertainment value it's fine um but the making of story to me is where the the real the real meat of it is, um, and uh, also like special note that just needs to be said because I don't know how many people would champion this or bother to champion this on the internet. Uh, James Newton Howard, uh, his score for the film is tremendous. Uh, there's some action beats on the on the soundtrack for this movie, The Waterworld, uh, that are absolutely incredible. Uh, Escaping the Smokers. Uh, is a piece of music that you really ought to look up. Um, you you will be tapping your foot and banging your head and then some. Uh, it's it's tremendous, really. Uh, underrated action score for sure. Uh, underrated composer, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I would totally buy this. Um, I was actually sour that uh, the Blu-ray, the the super duper special edition of the Blu-ray, uh, was became hard to find and started to skyrocket in price. But hey. Uh, Second time's the charm, I guess. Uh, maybe maybe this is my opportunity. Uh, Motel Hell is also coming out on 4K uh, from 1980. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen video reviews for this movie. I've never actually watched it, but uh, my parents have a funny story of a date night that they went to. They went to the theater to go see this movie. Uh, my parents did. And uh, apparently, I, th- I forget if... My mom was upset because they went to go see Motel Hell, or if this was the incident with the Stinky Man. There was I forget exactly which movie it was. I think it was Motel Hell, but apparently there was a, an incredibly rancid Stinky Man in the theater that they went to on a date night before I was born. Uh, that they they got stank they got stunk out of that theater. They couldn't stick around. So I don't know if they actually finished Motel Hell. Uh, I don't know if they actually got to see. Uh, Rory Calhoun wearing a, uh, a pig head uh, engaging in a chainsaw fight. Um, that does happen in this movie, by the way. Um, but I'll have to ask them. Uh, I'll, I'm actually going to be seeing them this weekend, so maybe I should do that. Uh, 
we have the Czar of Saltan uh, from Deaf Crocodile Films from 1967. Uh, very very fun little distributor uh and i've heard uh, this movie is absolutely uh visually spectacular i don't know the quality of the film overall but i i've seen the name of this film dropped uh in certain circles um so that's that's pretty cool uh for people out there that would be interested in watching some russian cinema with some amazing visuals from the 60s uh we have the saragosa manuscript from 1965 uh wow that is a cover um, we have, uh, Debbie does demons. Debbie does demons from 2023. Just figured I'd throw that out there. Uh, creep show three from 2006, uh, probably being put out again on Blu-ray to, uh, capitalize on the 4k of the original creep show. I've heard creep show three is terrible and I've seen some clips that most certainly back that up. Uh, it looks like uh, Steelbooks of some of the other Mission Impossible films are also coming out on 4K, once again, likely to capitalize on the uh, imminent release of uh, Mission Impossible 7. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep on skipping down. Um, yikes. I'm, 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 I'm searching. I'm searching. Give me one sec. <laughs> Uh, we have something that I care about, but nobody listening to this probably cares about. Uh, we have Battle Kaiju Series, number one, Ultraman versus Red King, who is not red. Uh, in fact, he looks like a husk of corn. He is yellow. Um, this is a adorable concept. I've seen them do this. Uh, Funimation has done this with uh, Dragon Ball Z DVDs in the past. Um, what this is is a Blu-ray that collects episodes so if you're not aware, Ultraman has existed in some form or another, usually via television, but sometimes movies as well, um, since 1966. Uh, so the time span of of the of the media contained in this box is 1966 to 2019. So what this is is a compilation disc that collects, I assume, all of the instances in which Ultraman, any Ultraman. Uh, have done battle with Red King from like in the entirety of of the Ultraman television history from spanning all the way back to 1966. So if you're like a hardcore fan of Red King and you just want to have something on your shelf uh, so you can isolate just those episodes like you know I think I want to watch all the times Ultraman beat the fuck out of Red King you can pop this disc in and you can do that. Uh, and like I said, I, I believe Funimation did this with their Dragon Ball Z DVDs way back when as well, uh, where they collected, I think it was like Goku's best fights, basically, which like if you just just want to get to the good parts, like those handful of episodes of Dragon Ball Z where like the good animation team was working, which is just a handful of episodes. If you just wanted those episodes, you could do that. Like you didn't have to like hunt down all the specific episodes with all the good fighting scenes. You you would just have access to that on one disc. I actually really love this concept. I think it's adorable, and I'd love to see other properties make use of the format. Um, that being said, I have enough Ultraman on my shelf such that I don't think I need this. Um, I probably have all of these episodes just contained in different uh, boxes. So. Uh, not something I need, but something I'm really happy to see get made, just because it's it's a cool concept. 
Uh, we have Abraxas, the Guardian of the Universe uh, from 1990, starring uh, Jesse the Body Ventura and uh, Sven Oli Thorson uh, <laughs> in their mutual hunt for Decomata. Decomata. Um, if memory serves, the trivia fact behind this movie is that this was in the era of his of his career, I guess you'd call it, or his his life, um, Jesse Ventura, that is, where he was he was acting so he could remain a member of SAG so he could get healthcare benefits. I think that was the story behind this. Is just just whatever you got, I'll do it. So this was around the time he was getting beat up by John Lithgow in prison in, uh, via uh, Ricochet and in this uh, this weird sci-fi movie that I love the cover art for it. I don't know why Sven Oli Thorson has diarrhea on the cover. <laughs> but uh, And also why they... If you've ever seen Ed Wood, you'll understand this, this reference. But it's like, why did you give him all the dialogue? Uh, great moment in Ed Wood where they're talking about Tor, uh, Tor Johnson um, getting all the dialogue in uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's like, he's unintelligible. Why did you give him all the dialogue? Same goes for Sven Ole Thorson, where it's like, his accent is impenetrable to American ears. Why did you give him all the dialogue? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the cover art for this one. It's a terrible fucking film. It's boring as sin at times, but uh, if you like funny accents, be it Minnesota-flavored or, I think, Danish-flavored, uh, then Abraxas is for you. Um, we have another title that uh, I guess only I care about. Maybe some Christian folk, um, uh, but I'll just throw it out there. I will probably end up watching this. I might actually buy this, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I might actually buy this. It probably sucks, but I might actually buy it. Uh, so this popped onto my radar uh, like partway through last year. Um, if you're not aware, it's a... Uh, I need to I need to take a deep breath. <sighs> Big George Foreman colon the miraculous story of the once and future heavyweight champion of the world. That is the title of the film. Um, this is from 2023. This was a theatrical release. Uh, this stars Chris Davis uh, and is directed by George Tillman Jr., who is not known to me. Um, I think he's largely like a producer or something. Um, anyway, this is this is a biography film of George Foreman, the professional heavyweight boxer. Uh, I really like the story of George Foreman. I find it fascinating. I find him fascinating. Uh, I've said earlier on this recording that I love the sport of boxing. Uh, in particular, I'm a huge fan of the history of the sport of boxing, and George Foreman most certainly factors into quite a lot of that. Uh, any of the heavyweights from that era, um, largely because my, my dad is a fan of boxing and he was alive for all that stuff. So he has stories that he's told me over the years about a lot of these personalities. Um, and yeah, I'm a sucker for sports films, uh, in particular boxing films and biographies and stuff. So nothing about the promotion for this film looked exceptional, but the premise is enough. Like, like I'd, I'd like to check it out. Uh, and if the price is right, I might actually fucking blind buy this and I'll probably, I'll probably think it's an all right film. I probably won't get much out of it, but Hey, you know, I'll, it's, it's a movie. Cool. Uh, let's move on. And you know what? I think I'm just going to call it good. 
uh, except I'll point out that there is a Criterion release of Mama Roma from 1962, which, big shocker, I don't know shit about, uh, so I'm not going to pretend that I do. Uh, I will point out also that Morvern Collar from 20, yikes, uh, from 2002 uh, is being released by Fun City Editions, which I'm pretty sure uh, Brian from uh, Movies for Life, uh, that podcast, I believe he collects their their releases and has enjoyed a lot of their releases. Uh, uh, Akatone as well. I probably completely botched that pronunciation. That is also a Criterion release that I know fuck all about. So I, I'm going to call it good here. Uh, it's from 1961. So uh, here comes the end of the program uh, where I do the thing where I run backwards uh, through the calendar uh, and I just call out any of the things that I think I might buy or watch. Uh, so, uh, going backwards here, it looks like uh, Big George Foreman is a maybe purchase, likely purchase, if I'm being honest. Uh, not sure if it's going to be any good, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I, it is a blind purchase. I, I have not read any reviews. I've seen, I saw the trailer when the, when the trailer first came out, it's been on my radar for a while. I, I became aware of the fact that they were making a George Foreman film. Um, I might end up grabbing that, uh, Abraxas. I don't even know why I mentioned that. I think I just wanted to say Colmeda again. Uh, so we got George Foreman rolling it back, uh, Waterworld 4k. Fuck the movie. I just want this. I just want the supplements. I want them features, man. And it looks like there's tons of of editions of the film as well. Uh, so maybe some of those alternate cuts are actually better than the theatrical edition, which I don't think is a terrible film. Again, um, let's keep rolling it back. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I am T-Rex. Not interested. Um, Avatar. Uh, the Way of Water, uh, I will be purchasing. Avatar on 4K, the original, the vanilla Avatar uh, on 4K. I don't I don't know if I need to make that upgrade. Um, that That's like an after-the-fact kind of thing. I, I think I'll start with Way of Water, see how I react to that on 4K. And if I if I really love it, maybe I'll upgrade the, the first one as well. Uh, and then, of course, I already got the, the game trilogy, started it. Uh, I got two more movies to go. So far, I'm enjoying it for the most part. Um, keep on rolling. Uh, Sakura uh, featuring Donnie Yen, starring and directed Donnie Yen. Um, already got it. Already watched it. It was it was I. Uh, yep, none of those. John Wick 4, already got it. Uh, I got the Super Duper Amazon edition uh, on 4K. I uh, haven't watched it yet. Uh, very excited to rewatch it though. Uh, and then uh, all the Indiana Jones movies on 4K. Uh, well, again, I guess similar to Avatar 2. Uh, we'll see how I react to Dial of Destiny. Um, if I got indie fever and I really, really, really want to show my love for the franchise, uh, I'll make that upgrade. But more than likely, it'll have to wait uh, until Dial of Destiny comes out on, on 4K because... Uh, they most certainly are going to be issuing new box sets that include all five films rather than just the four. So I'll wait for that. Uh, but yeah, pretty, uh, pretty thin month in terms of purchases for me anyway. Um, but not a bad month, not at all. 
Uh, so yeah, this has been uh, the June 2023 edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, thank you for joining me in this solo affair. I know these can be kind of tedious, uh, and they're very, very difficult to produce. Uh, trust me. Uh, I am out of breath and very, very hot because I have to shut my window, and it is the fucking summer, even in Washington, uh, out here, or up here, excuse me. Uh, so, uh, if you would like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, though, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the instagram at catching up on cinema as well as the twitter at catching cinema uh, so feel free to hit me up at either of those uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine including bitcade uh, so fucking google it and uh, that being said thank you so much for listening and we will catch you or i will catch you next time <laughs>